Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Boary, and as always, I'm with one of the few seismologists who has authored a paper on animal reactions before earthquakes, Dr. Lucy Jones. We thank our individual supporters who help underwrite the work of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society through Patreon. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 per month? Because your support enables us to serve even more communities. Simply go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now let's get to it. One of the most common beliefs about earthquake prediction is that animals know before the earthquake comes. They have some sixth sense that allows them the ability to know it's coming before they feel it. Even as recently as 2020, just a couple of years ago, there was a paper published in the International Journal of Behavioral Biology titled Potential Short-Term Earthquake Forecasting by Farm Animal Monitoring. And in news about that paper, an article stated, experts disagree about whether earthquakes can be exactly predicted. Nevertheless, animals seem to sense the impending danger hours in advance. For example, there are reports that wild animals leave their sleeping and nesting places immediately before strong earthquakes and that pets become restless. That's the quote. While this seems interesting, Lucy, you have studied this throughout your career. So let's cut to the chase. Is there anything to this myth, if you will, about earthquake prediction and animals being able to do it? No, we want it to be true, but the evidence says there's nothing there. I'll add one exception, which is what contributes to the myth. Animals will often perceive the beginning of the earthquake, the P wave, before the less sensitive humans feel the stronger part of the earthquake, the S wave, and therefore might be responding 5, 10, 20 seconds before, depending on how far away you are, just like earthquake early warning. But anything longer than that, no, it's not there. So how did we get here then? How did we get to this place where people continue? I mean, people come up to us all the time and say, or send an email, hey, my cat's acting strange. Is there an earthquake coming? How did we get here? Fundamentally, we want it to be true. We have our need for patterns. And then it's fed by this very, very short-term ability where we sometimes see the animal acting in seconds before. So our first written record of animals reacting before an earthquake, in particular, they were abandoning a town that was soon after destroyed, comes from historian Thucydides about 2,400 years ago. Hard to tell exactly how reliable exactly what it was he saw. But over the centuries, there are many anecdotes. But just like for Greece, it's a report that animals were odd really with no context for it. We've got to remember that the plural of anecdote is not data. And just because there's a story doesn't mean that it actually had any significance. So let's go back to a story for you back in the 1970s, right? You're starting your career out and you've talked many times about how this was a time when scientific investigation into the prediction of earthquakes was heightened because of the new understanding of geology through plate tectonics, which you just talked about in a previous episode. Right. So when I entered the field at this time, people were talking more seriously about earthquake prediction. A very famous seismologist, Frank Perez, testified at Congress that we'd be predicting earthquakes within the next 10 years. There were reports coming out of both the Soviet Union and China. You also need to remember the politics of communism at the time. We didn't have a lot of interaction, especially with China. But there was an earthquake in 1975 that the Chinese said they predicted in part because of animal anomalies. There were these reports. We were now thinking, wow, how can we predict earthquakes? 
And there was excitement. We had new physical models. And so you see things like there was a Santa Clara County geologist who insisted that he could predict earthquakes by using missing cat reports. Well, it's been 40 years since that heightened interest. What's happened since then? It went through a scientific process. There was an earthquake in Italy in 1976, and there was a physicist up at Berlin University who had grown up in Friuli, and he went down to his hometown, saw that there had been animal reactions before the earthquake. He came up with a physical model that had some sense. If we're squeezing rocks and we're opening up cracks, that could force aerosols out of the cracks in the ground into the atmosphere, and that these would probably have an electrical charge associated with them. So it became sort of this, the animals could be reacting to a change in the electrical field, which we know animals can notice. So that was interesting. And standard science is you have a model for why something could be true, and then you look for data to test it. I mean, this is like climate change. The first model that human activity could warm the planet because of the known properties of carbon dioxide came out almost 100 years ago. But it required the data that demonstrated that Earth's temperature correlated with CO2 levels that came with ice cores out of Greenland in the 1980s for us to be able to say, oh, yes, this really looked like a coming together. You collect your data, you get more data, and you start moving into accepted fact. You continue to come back to climate change. This is the more pressing scientific issue today versus earthquakes. Climate change is going to do us more damage. It's also the scientific process that's most in the news. So I thought this might be a a good connection for people. (laughs) Animal anomalies, however, took a different path. So we had this sort of physical model. We also knew that the Chinese had data. They reported on it with the Haichung earthquake, and there was this whole program that had been created in China to try to predict earthquakes. It came out of the Cultural Revolution. It was a time when intellectuals were being attacked, and by creating a program to predict earthquakes, it was the intellectuals will be working for the good of the people and allowed them to stay working while other scientists couldn't. But intellectuals were really looked down on, and they had a part of this program that said, we're going to learn from the peasants. And therefore, using animal anomalies and changes in wells were a way of collecting data from the peasants, and it said it was sort of more politically acceptable. So there's this whole set of data that we know is out there. I got invited to go work in China in 1979 because I already spoke Chinese. We decided to try and really dig into that data. There was a model. Let's see what we could do. So in 1980, I got to get all the reports from the Haichung earthquake, and we put them together, had a paper published with this. And it, um, it showed that, yeah, a little bit of messy data. The biggest signal in the data was that every Saturday afternoon, there was a spike, which is just after the Saturday morning commune meetings when people were exhorted to go out and get it. In addition to that, about the only thing that we thought we could see in the data was there could have been a correlation between what was happening with groundwater and with animals. You know, maybe we were flooding burrows or something like this. At the same time, that's data collected by the same people with all of the political pressures on it. I did a second study with a Sichuan earthquake that happened in 1976, which even more exemplified the problems with these data. When we started looking at it, it didn't make much sense. There were only certain counties that had it. We ended up discovering that the data hadn't been brought in from the other counties because sort of a prejudice about where they should be seeing it. And some of it was actually even made up. One of the reports was for giraffes in the zoo. We decided we should go take a picture of those giraffes if we ever give a talk about this data. 
And we found out that they had never had a giraffe in the zoo. They had once ordered one and it had arrived and died the next day. So there was someone collecting this data who wanted it to look good and literally was making up data to go in there. So it's very, very messy. So there's a lot of data that you have experience with coming out of China. But what about outside of China? This isn't just a Chinese only uh, myth, right? This is perpetuated globally. Right. We have our Santa Clara cats, right? Let's right. go predict the earthquakes with the missing cat reports. That was sort of the worst possible statistics. There's no control. You really couldn't see the signal that one geologist thought he could, but nobody else could. And that's the problem. Cats go missing all the time. Birds fly out of trees all the time. All of the data is very, very messy. They once did an experiment in Central California to try and control this. It was funded by the U.S. Geological Survey, where they enlisted farmers that lived very near the San Andreas Fault, the creeping part of the fault that had magnitude fours and fives, really quite often there in the 1970s. And the farmers were asked to turn in a report every week. And if they gave a report that an animal had reacted before an earthquake and submitted it after the earthquake had happened, it wouldn't count because they were trying to control from this human desire to put meaning into a pattern after something significant has happened. So there were these weekly reports, how the animals behaved, and there ended up not being any signal connected to any of earthquakes. So the data didn't back up the model. Right. And actually, the physical model that this German had come up with also came apart. In the 1980s, we came to realize that the stresses at which earthquakes were happening were much lower than what we saw in the laboratory. And in fact, we weren't really opening up cracks because there's just not enough forces going on in the earth to allow that to happen. So where does that leave us now with this understanding? I mean, the articles are still being written about animals. I think the articles will always be written about animals because we want it to be so, so desperately. This one that we saw just recently in behavioral biology is interesting. They actually came up with a very ingenious idea where they put accelerometers on collars on the animals. So they actually had a physical measure of agitation rather than depending on a human interpretation. And they did see a correlation of increased agitation at times of increased earthquakes. But this is going on in Italy when there's swarms going on with tens of thousands of events in them. The data, just like with Haichang, the one time we have some animal anomalies that look like there might be something there, it's a time when there are a huge amount of earthquakes, and it seems most likely that the animals are just responding to the earthquakes they're feeling, a bit more reliable to record the earthquakes directly. As you've said, all this data just seems messy and really hard to decipher. How do you make clarity as a scientist? How do you make clarity of this? Animal data will always be noisy. Animals do all sorts of things. They're not talking to us with words to say what they're upset about. If there's any possibility, we need to discover what they are reacting to. Every time we've looked for that, we haven't found anything. It doesn't make sense to think that animals have evolved an ability specifically for earthquakes. Back in the 70s, we had discussions about that. But There's two reasons to realize it really can't be true. Earthquakes just are not that frequent to really have an impact on an evolutionary process. And more importantly, wild animals don't usually die in an earthquake. People die because our buildings collapse. Earthquakes may be scary, but they're not that dangerous without construction. And this seems to just go back to our human need to find patterns to explain things that we can't otherwise explain. 
than anything to help manage the fear that we as humans have of disasters that are unpredictable. So I guess don't look at animals to help you give a warning, right? Be ready and know that it could happen at any time because that's what we know to be true. And we also know that animals can't predict the earthquakes. So we'll leave it there for now. Until next time, I'm John Boyery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a supporter at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.